Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Hello and welcome to The Grange Point. My name's Lachlan. I'm Camille. I'm Lauren. It's part three of our Global Challenges special. You may remember previously we talked about feeding the planet and how we can cope and adapt to a changing climate. This week we're going to be talking all about genetic engineering, learning how it's helped save humanity several times, what we can do currently, and what we could do in the future, including maybe X-Men. So we've talked about ways that we can sustainably feed our planet by chowing down on some bugs and having some amazingly delicious supplements or... Um, healthy grains to help us survive. We've also looked at the way that our planet has coped with mass extinctions in the past and how long it's taken for species to evolve and fill new niches and actually adapt. But now we're going to look at some of the more interesting genetic questions and how we can actually utilise genetics, utilise genetic engineering and augmentation to actually understand, evolve and change and deal with all of the challenges we face in our world. So Lauren, tell us a bit about genetic engineering and how it can help us. So Justin, we've looked at like some of the bigger pictures like, oh no, how are we going to cope with the entire world changing or how are we going to feed the entire population? But what I'm looking at is basically um, looking at the people themselves, the small insignificant people that are walking around on this earth. And I don't know about you, but I think people are pretty cool, right? I, as a person, agree that people are cool. Um, I, I like people. I like having them around. And through the ages, we've developed different ways of like keeping people around. Would you agree? Yeah, that's, that's true. We've, yeah. We've, we've figured out pretty good ways to survive in our 20,000 years we've been around as humans. We've developed stuff like medicine and other things that have you know, helped keep people alive and helped the population. Um, so, you know, once we've helped like, the general population be alive, we've started to um, go into a more direct approach, I guess, of choosing the best people to be alive, which I guess can sound a little brutal at first. That, that does sound pretty intense. So what, what are we actually talking about here? So what I'm talking about here is genetic screening. So going down to the very basics of what a human being is, your genetics, your genome. So um, what is a genome? So a genome is it's your entire gene structure in your body. So your gene is um, it's basically like a code, a code of four different bases, A, C, G, and T, which um, they basically make up everything. G, A, T, and C, and that all spells Gattaca, and that's really cool. But what, what, what does that actually tell us? Does that tell our cells and, our, and us how to be us? Exactly. It tells you whether you can have blue eyes or brown hair or pretty much any like physical Or be a really, really great swimmer or be Jude Law. Yes, in a sense. I, I miss, for anyone who doesn't know, he is referencing the movie Gattaca, which is very much what I'm trying to talk about a bit because Gattaca is based on this like futuristic world where everything is based on the genome. The people with the best genomes, the people who get the best jobs, and those people who were created by chance who have things like um, certain dispositions or like health risks. So, so people in, in Gattaca who don't have the great genes, they, they don't end up well in, the, in a good state? No, they end up with things like um, janitors and the, the less paid jobs, the less sought after jobs. But what is a good genome or a bad genome? So what, in, in the sense that Gattaca, which is like this... Um, futuristic. Futuristic. It's place. a dystopia, let's be honest here, guys. <laughs> it's a dystopia. Um, a good genome means that you don't have any susceptible, like, because you can have genetic dispositions towards things like addictions, or um, you can, for example, like, have there's a susceptibility to like heart conditions and things like that. So, a good genome would mean that you didn't have any of those genes, and you were like physically fit and like mentally 
the most optimal, basically becoming like Superman. And, and this might sound really far-fetched, and in the Gattaca example, they really take it to the extreme, but mm -hmm. if you look at something really mundane and say, look, there is a genetic, there is genes that can be strongly correlated to breast cancer, for example. So, so that might be something that would be an undesirable gene to have, um, but it, it also can also, when we get into that realm, it can be a lot of other more complicated issues at hand. One best, one, one great example is, for example, Huntington's disease. So Huntington's disease is a genetic disorder which um, is passed down generally from like mother to daughter. That's the most common example. And um, we know exactly which gene it is, and this gene produces a faulty protein, the Huntington protein, which results in like neural degeneration and stuff. If we um, use things like genetic screening, you can um, predict whether your offspring will have this disorder or not, and you can um, make a whole bunch of choices. Like if you, for example, would not want to have that child or have like IVF to ensure that you have offspring that don't have that disease. Okay, so once we can identify these genes, we can basically say you can make a baby without it. that gene because we can guarantee that we have a combination that doesn't have that gene in it. So that, that's what you're talking about when you're talking about genetic screening is before we get to the, the whole area of the crazy extremes of Gattaca, this would be an original first step, I would imagine. So in Gattaca, I think part of the thing is they take screening to the extreme. So they screen out all of those susceptibilities completely and they make sure that they do create that. I don't, I can't remember if they do also do some genetic engineering in there as well. Yeah, I think from memory they, they say, well, do you want the kid to have blue eyes or do you want the kid to be like this? And that's taking it to a bit of a further nuance. Which is actually one of the... Um, that, that was a, a few years ago, I think, um, was one of the big things, the big questions about having the perfect child, creating the perfect child. So what do we do at the moment and how and what can we actually do in, the, in this area? So with um, genetic engineering, genetic engineering is taking a step further from rather than just screening mm. potential like embryos and stuff like that, it's um, actually designing and cutting and splicing together different genes mm. to make sure you get your desired outcome. So at the moment we can make sure that a baby doesn't have Huntington's if we don't select an embryo with Huntington's. Mm -hmm. But this is taking it one step further. So you're actually putting new special DNA codes into the embryo? So you'd be replacing, for example, like the faulty Huntington's gene with like a functional Huntington's gene. Um, which is actually something we can't do at the moment with humans because there's too many... It, it's way too compli complicated and there's too many like negative effects. But it is something, however, that we do do with plants, as we talked about um, earlier. So, I mean, that, that range is a really great point because Gattaca's like, yeah, you know, 20 minutes in the future, we can do all these fancy designer babies and say, you want your baby to ex be exactly like this, be good at sports, be amazing at piano because they have 11 fingers and blue eyes and really tall and beautiful. But reality is the human genome is really complex. But if you compare it to say something like plants, we actually do do something similar. So what can we do with plants and what have we done with plants? So, I mean, when we look at genetic engineering in plants, we've actually done a lot of really interesting and, and really super great stuff in that. Like, we've taken... Uh, genes from plants, That's, so you'll have one crop or one type of flower that might be super resistant to a certain type of caterpillar or bug or moth. And we'll say, we can, if we can isolate that gene that makes the caterpillars like die when they chew on this leaf, and then put that gene into another plant um, that is gets eaten a lot by caterpillars, then what you can actually do is you end up with a, a, what's called a genetically modified plant that is able to be more resistant to these caterpillars. 
The upshot of that is, obviously, the plant does not get eaten by bugs, which is great. But it also means that you don't have to use as much per pesticides on actually keep killing the bugs on the plant. So you actually end up with a plant that's more alive and more healthy. You can also take other traits where you might exaggerate or might take a, a strain of strawberries and say, well, look, these strawberries are growing much bigger than other strawberries. So we're now we're going to try and get the strawberry, the gene that making those strawberries so big. And that's how you grow strawberries like the size of golf balls. Uh, I can't remember if this is true or not, but can't you also do um, change some of the environment sometimes that plants can survive on? Mm. So which, and by changing those plants, you can, um, for example, introduce them into other places that aren't as fertile and mean that they have a better supply of crops. And that's exactly what they did in the 1960s in India by in, in the Green Revolution to enable them to grow right and rice and wheat in places that they could never have done otherwise with less water. And that's how India has a population that's alive to that, really. Um, they solve that famine. This sort of raises the interesting questions, but it gets back to a major issue of if we're doing genetic engineering, this isn't necessarily something new in the world of plants. We've been breeding plants, making different species of plants for a long time. That's where, where the whole thing about Punnett squares and how we learnt about genes in the first place. So what's, what's so challenging and what's so interesting about applying that they're the same thing to humans? So, you know, in, in the, uh, we, we talked about splicing different types of plants together and getting, getting benefits from one type of plant from another type of plant. So you could combine different types of animals together and end up with different traits of them, like a, like a polar bear dog or a sky bison. Or uh, a zebra fish. Yes, or a zebra fish, which is actually something that we do use genetic engineering for in the real world and not just in the avatar world. But just to clarify, guys, it's not actually a cross between a zebra and a fish. Though I wish it was. Cooler. So aside from uh, sky bison and polar bear dogs, why do we like zebrafish, even if they're not just zebras in the water? What, what's useful about zebrafish? Okay, so zebrafish are really useful for um, genetic engineering because they've got a few different um, characteristics that make them really that make them really easy to use. For example, um, at Monash we're doing research with zebrafish and putting in jellyfish um, genes, which means that they glow. Hmm. And because zebrafish are they're, they're a nice color and they're kind of see-through, you can actually see that um, that fluorescence. Um, they also grow up really quickly, which makes it really great, and um, they reproduce really quickly, which means we can see that inheritance of the genes and things like that. So does that mean if we're trying to look for what a certain gene does, you can put this glowing gene into it, and then whatever this gene affects will basically glow in the see-through fish? Is that right? That's pretty much it. So it's like it's like basically having a uh, you know those like a, like an ant colony where you can actually see insides of happening inside it because you and then you can follow and understand everything that's going on. We're doing basically the same thing, utilizing the fact that zebrafish are mostly see-through, and we can put in genes uh, that are basically fluorescent tags that will light up when that certain gene is active. And it's really good because we don't have to kill any animals in the process to study how the, it's working. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a really fascinating part of genetic engineering as a kind of as a, as a sample point, as well as a study and actual understanding what we can do. The other benefit is obviously is that they can breed really fast. So why is breeding really fast important to genetic engineering? Um, breeding really fast um, is important like in any form of like studying genetics because a major thing about genetics is studying inheritance and inherit inheritance of genes. Um, so if you've got an organism that you're testing that breeds really quickly, that means you can see how it passes on possibly like which chromosome it's on if it um, gets inherited from like a specific parent or things like that. 
so you can get more data points more quickly. Or if you're testing humans, you need to wait like nine months, and then it takes 18 years about for them to be able to make another baby. So that's, that's, that's not a good like turnaround time for your life cycles. Not many grants would get issued for a study that long for just doing one generation. Whereas with Drosophila, which is fruit flies, or zebrafish, much shorter time frame. And that's also why we really like plants as well, like as a non-animal type thing, because plants can reproduce really quickly. So the human genome is a very, very complex and difficult beast that we don't really understand really easily, but we're learning about through studying things like zebrafish and Drosophila all these other things to actually understand how it could work. So there's been lots of terrible sci-fi stories that exist around the concept of the next step in human evolution. And obviously zebrafish and drosophila reproduce really quickly so we can monitor and see how they change and evolve really quickly and observe and make those changes. But with humans, we have a much longer time frame. but there's a lot of sci-fi around that next step in human evolution, which of course you may be most familiar with, with the... Marvelous Adventures of the X-Men. Well, yeah, the X-Men really are. Um, they were invented around the time that genetic engineering was becoming a big thing, and it's really, it really does encapsulate a lot of the angst and a lot of the problems and social issues behind genetic engineering. Because you've got this race of people who have special powers, and sort of the question is, if we can actually make some people genetically superior, clearly, to other people, what sort of political ramifications does that have? Like, if you've got someone who's super strong or super intelligent, and you can make people who are super strong and super intelligent, it's probably going to be expensive, so that's probably going to go to the rich people are going to be able to do these sort of things. So does this create sort of a disparity between people who can afford genetic engineering to make themselves superhuman and people that can't? And the other, other part about that is, which is what X-Men explores, is the mutant factor which is that these people who then develop these powers, not through necessarily augmentation or, or human involvement, by just mutant cells in their genes. And then how do you deal with someone who's basically developed and is either invulnerable or shoots laser beams out of their eyes or can combust themselves in flames or spontaneously create ice? How do you then have a society where this person exists and has all this power that's just very different to everybody else? is pretty cool. I mean, I meant, we mentioned how like the genome basically codes for your entire human being, how we can screen for certain different traits in that genome, how um, we can affect certain genomes for things like plants and animals and see what each of those different genes do or um, improve plants and change those to suit different things according to what we want. And there are many different possibilities for the future with um, genetics. Things like, for example, human cloning, which is really big at the moment, um, considering the amazing TV show Orphan Black. Um, and things for like infertility and the possibility of um, growing different like extra limbs and things like that. And we could possibly even become the X-Men in the future. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Talk about genetic engineering and how it's helped us survive by making sustainable crops and more better hardy species. We also talked about the complications of genetic engineering, the difficulties and potential ethical implications for society. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.